If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. And this week we do have a premiere, a, a headline topic. But before we get to it, I just want to throw in a, a couple of quick notes. Uh, on previous episodes, we've been talking about the potential saltwater incursion in the New Orleans area um, mm -hmm. as it might be developing. And it looks like between some efforts of the Army Corps of Engineers at building an underwater sill in the river to hold back uh, the salt water coming in from the Gulf and some upstream rainfall, which has been long needed and much wanting. Um, it looks like they've at least delayed the potential for when that water will hit. It had been predicted that salt water would be hitting the water treatment facility by October 22nd. That's been pushed back by at least one month and potentially indefinitely. So Great. that's a very good thing. Yeah, good right. News. Cool. Th that is good news. That it now there are still some downstream smaller communities that are affected, and they are getting the help that they need. And um, hopefully, no one will will have to go without the water. So that's a good thing. Um, the second thing I wanted to make a quick note of, and I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but I've I've noticed an alarming trend in spam phone calls. Um, it used to be, you know, you could pick it up if there was a moment of silence immediately following your answering. You knew it was spam, so you could disconnect and block that number. Mm -hmm. um, I've recently had a spate of calls for my good friend Melanie Lewis, who had this phone before I or this phone number before I did, and they still try to reach her. Um, now, when you pick up, there is a little shuffle grunting noise on the immediate connection as if someone's picking up a receiver or if someone's fumbling with the receiver mm. then the silence commences before they connect you to the person at the spam call center this is the spammers having learned how to adapt technologically to people's countering of spam and uh I just wanted to point that out to everyone. It's it's a very annoying new development because psychologically it works very well. At least it worked on me pretty good. <laughs> so you kept you kept waiting what is going on and like I see. Okay. Yeah. Cuz it could yeah. could end up being important, you know. <laughs> Especially in my current situation, um yes, I've been waiting for certain um very crucial phone calls and from unknown numbers. Yeah. So I so I've had no choice but to respond to each and every call. Um, nothing that I wanted to put through to voicemail. So in my particular situation, I had to do this, um, and that was very very annoying. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to warn everybody out there. And I, I know that you're you're not on the same platform that I am. I'm on iPhone, but I, the iPhone's pretty good about signaling when a when an incoming call is from a known. Or suspected telemarketer or spam calls and it'll actually inform you on the screen does your phone do that as well android does for some and some it actually says spam i mean it just flat out calls them spam some it says telemarketer mm -hmm. and some it says unknown or unlisted number now among those there are also numbers that are just phone numbers mm -hmm. and they all have my local prefix yeah um uh, you know, and I've long wondered how in the world spammers can afford to buy up so many blocks of numbers. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's a fairly significant number because uh, uh, as quickly as I block them, new ones arrive. And uh, I've yeah. I've purchased phone numbers before, and and it's not necessarily cheap. There is some cost there. Uh, I would like to see the phone companies start to offer a service where they say. 
unless this comes from an unblocked number, um, we will not put it through. Do you agree to this? And allow me the option to filter or not filter based on that. Mm. I would really I, like to see that. I have a similar type app. My my phone carrier is AT&T, and they offer an app that I've installed on my phone that does similar type stuff where it, it blocks at the, the carrier level, so it never even gets to my phone. And, and it's it's pretty effective. Uh, it's obviously not 100%, but it's 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 like a, an email spam filter that is even further upstream so that uh, certain calls don't don't make it. I don't remember the name of the app, but I have it on my phone. And every now and then it'll inform me, oh, we've blocked, you know, this number of, of phone calls for you. So th there are, there is technology out there to help, but obviously not, nothing is a hundred percent effective. And do how much the do they the... charge? Do what? I'm sorry, Rafi. How much do they charge? Is it like go, uh, go daddy? Is it $30 per no, month? It's, <laughs> it's a, a, a free service that's included, but I did have to go into my actual AT&T account on my, on my web browser. Uh, and in fact, I was in there doing something. I think we were paying off some phones cause I have so many phones for my kids and stuff and was looking through a bunch of the other services they had and said, they, they just popped up and said, Oh, we we offer this free service, turn it on here. And I clicked it on and then they said, go download this app. Um, I think that it is uh, on mine. It's called AT&T uh, Active Armor Mobile Security App. So, yeah, it's something called Active Armor. Anyways, yeah, I've got it on my phone. It seems to work pretty well. Um, AT&T users might want to consider that. And that's nice that it's free. That that's a, that, see, Okay, good. So that they are being responsive in the manner that uh, I'd kind of be suggesting. Yeah. Um, I do find it funny, and, and I've had this issue with more than just, I've had AT&T as a carrier in the past. Um, I do find it funny that a lot of the admin steps you have to make are through a browser, mm -hmm. uh, that, that you can't do it from the phone itself. The right. one piece of equipment that they control, they don't trust. <laughs> I find that just awesomely amusing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, in line with that, also, AT&T does offer multi-factor authentication and several other things that protect your account. We, we just uh, as, as a complete aside, that I've been very happy with them other than the fact that they charge me hundreds of dollars a month because i have so many devices <laughs> this episode brought to you by at&t america telephone and telegraph for hundreds of years screwing over users <laughs> we can because we're the phone company <laughs> uh, are they better than the old ma bell uh, the the, the Lily Tomlin act, you know, yeah, yeah. we don't care. We're the phone company. We don't have to. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, good. Well, excellent. Excellent. Now, um, we do have a main topic this week. Matt, you brought this up. It has to do with when you go for a bike ride. If after you're done with the ride, you want to go on another ride, you call it recycling. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> the dad jokes. <laughs> I thought that we were retired and we were done with those. <laughs> what? What? Is so, that not what you wanted to discuss? Uh, multiple bike paths? I thought multiple, that's where yeah. you were going. Well, environmentalism comes into play, which which riding a bicycle does, I think, have a, a small part of that. Uh, but no, um, um, an article came across my news feed uh, on BBC News, whether or not you trust BBC News, uh, I'll leave that to, for you to, to stew on. Uh, but um, uh, article title was nearly half a billion small tech items thrown away. And it's, the article basically goes into the recycling business. And, and they're, they're sp uh, specifically on the United Kingdom, you know, Great Britain and the like. Um, but they gave some statistics about the number of, of, of small devices, electronic devices that are thrown away that are not recycled. Um, We're talking think, tablets, phones, that yeah, sort of thing, small game yeah. consoles. So they say 260 million disposable vapes, 30 million LEDs, 26 million cables, 10 million USB sticks. I know I, I've probably got a percentage of that myself. 7 million <laughs> cordless telephones, 5 million mini fans. So that, so just some of the e-waste. And, and what they're, they're considering e-waste is basically anything electronic, uh, computer-related stuff like that, that either has a battery or, or you know, plugs in USB or something. And it started me thinking about a, a problem that I've dealt with for decades now being in and around uh, server rooms, data centers, dealing with customers, and the, the, um, the sheer amount of technology that gets thrown away on a regular basis, you know, monthly, quarterly, you know, whatever, you know, as companies especially do refresh recycles where they'll deploy, you know, dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of new computers, replacing servers, all those, that, that's great that you get new technology, but all the old technology has to go somewhere. And 
it started me thinking about what my solution has been off and on over the years, which is to offer as a service to just pick up all the stuff and I take it to a recycler that that's nearby um, and dump it off. And the recycler will give me anywhere from 50 to $200 for a truckload of old servers and, and computers and stuff like that. But that's not a long-term solution. That's not the best solution. It's not, it, it takes time out of my day. It's manual labor and Lord knows I hate manual labor. Uh, but we need a better solution. And I just kind of wanted to bring that up to you. Uh, and uh, what, what are your all's thoughts about e-waste recycling, um, responsibly getting rid of old technology? Um, Matt, my, I guess my, my first question is now $200 per truckload is not cost effective for your time, obviously, because yeah. Um, but I would imagine for that amount of money, that is feasible for someone who wants to do just manual labor and yep. maybe take two or three truckloads a day. That could be a small business. I mean, there, there's yes. no reason why that couldn't be a small business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. Yes. And, and I'm wondering why that would be lacking. Um, uh, my, my guess would be that they're just, and I'm guessing here, my my guess would be there's not enough demand for it, that within a given driving distance of a metropolitan area, there aren't enough refreshes going on on a continual basis of where offices are converting that much product on any given day. Um, you know, if it, if it's two orders a week, nobody can run a business on $400 worth of revenue, right? <laughs> right, right, I, right. And that's my guess. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've even looked into uh, one of my larger customers uh, had a whole, basically like a conference room full of old technology. And they were like, how do we get rid of all this stuff? And I said, well, I, I, I can kind of help you, but what we need is to get a, a service in here. And we called, uh, this is a, a client that I share with Joey. We called around to a few different recyclers that offer e-waste pickup and removal. Nobody was interested in it. Like, they we, said we, if it's yeah. under 500 pounds, forget about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this, this was clearly over 500 pounds. They, they, we, we just couldn't get them to send a truck. We couldn't get them to even really, uh, you know, give us a rate or anything. So there's the frustration of dealing with a dedicated recycling company that says that they'll come and get stuff. Even if they're not paying us, even if they're charging us a fee, it's worth it to the company to get rid of it all. We, we, just for the space. Yeah. yeah we couldn't get else. Yeah. Right. That's real estate that needs to be converted and used as office space or something like that. So but, so this is my take on recycling altogether. If it was truly valuable, if you could truly get downstream products from uh, recycled material, people would pay you to come pick up your waste. I mean, that mm -hmm. it, it would be a market. Um, so obviously creating new product, whatever that is, whether it's plastics, glass, computer technology, um, creating new at scale is necessarily cheaper than trying to refurbish or repurpose old stuff. I, I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah. What I don't understand is why the precious metals that are included or, or the metals altogether, even copper or whatever, why that stuff hasn't risen to a, a reclamation rate that is affordable. Uh, I, you know, when we think of rare earth metals like uh, uh lithium um mm -hmm. I, I would think Radium, that, rhodium yeah even those small small amounts in each of those personal devices i would think that at scale that would be valuable um but i guess not i if it was there'd be people knocking on my door asking me you know it, it just <laughs> right. isn't yeah right right um yeah, and I pulled up some statistics from the uh, Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA. Um, this is in 2006. Uh, they estimated that for every 1 million cell phones that are recycled, uh, from those 1 million cell phones, you can recycle 35,000 pounds of copper, 772 pounds of silver, 75 pounds of gold, and 33 pounds of palladium. For every 1 75 pounds of gold? 75 pounds of gold, yep which I ran a quick uh, back of the napkin. Gold's about $2,000 an ounce, mm -hmm. isn't it? Right. Yeah. So you're looking at about $2.4 million worth of gold for every the, 1 million phones. But then that's a problem. It's a million phones. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, that, that yeah. $2.40 worth of gold in every phone. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then if you and it, it, the it's going to cost you more than $5 to acquire right. the phone bring it somewhere, right. melt the gold out, separate the gold from the other metals. It, it just, there's just no good way to do it. Right, right, which is a problem. <laughs> and I don't have a, a solution for it. But at the same time, 
I don't want to just tell my clients, yeah, chuck all your stuff in the dumpster, you know, and be, and, you know, be done with it. But, but there, there's a point where that's the only real feasible way to deal with it. And I hate to do it, but there's nobody Rafi, stepping up to do it. You got a question. To help. Yeah. I was just curious. You were saying like you were offering to pay the recycler to pick it up and take it with them. And they were not like you would pay them to take the stuff yeah, and they would not come like, like, Oh, of course, there's a limit to it, but mm -hmm. may I ask what ballpark it was? Like the amount of money they said no to, because this, of course, makes got, it. Hmm? I don't know that we even got that far with them. They, we we just couldn't get them to return phone calls after the initial, <laughs> the the initial contact. And you sent them pictures of what it is, basically, or um, like had they a, an idea? What's uh, I'm gonna, think, I, I'm gonna guess they honestly just don't care. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. guess that getting a driver in a truck is their upfront cost. Yes, and, absolutely. And the, and the driver, oddly, is probably the most expensive and most liability associated with that. What if this person drops a computer on their toe while they're hauling it away? That's far more expensive than whatever value they're going to get from hauling away uh, one ton worth of your crap. Um, it, it's just, And that's just the nature of it. I mean, it just, why would anyone want to go out of their way to do this if it is not something that's valuable to them? Yeah. Um, now, if we could figure out a way to get those 1 million devices centralized, if we could say, look, all e-waste goes to Omaha, Nebraska, right in the middle of the country, and we put all those million phones in one place, then it would be cost effective to break them down and, and sift them out. But until we do that, and until we realize what the cost of that would be, I mean, how much does it cost to ship a used worn out phone from alaska to nebraska you know i mean <laughs> it's it's not zero it's, right. it's yeah. yeah there there is an appreciable cost here especially when you go to the scale that'd be necessary to, to retrieve value from the old products right yeah and of course like when you're recycling because of the carbon footprint and everything that adds to the carbon footprint again you know like right. shipping the old thing around again you know <laughs> and the packaging it melting yes. it down the heat from melting it down has to have fuel and that fuel is going to generate some carbon i mean so there's no yep. such thing as a, a carbon neutral approach to any kind of human endeavor um and yep. and whatever value you'd recover uh, you know would it even cover the cost of of going through the effort i it doesn't sound like it to me at this point um I'd say yeah. like collecting and centralizing them where we can and making it like if we're already, for instance, stuff like trade-ins where you can bring it to your carrier again and they have trucks moving around anyway and having like them set something up where they collect the stuff and they maybe already do and then only start recycling as soon as we have like as it starts getting cost effective that we can do already and, and, like, and i like that idea maybe we don't put them all in nebraska maybe we put them in each <laughs> metropolitan area we have one landfill in each metropolitan area and then as that aggregates to critical mass whatever that is uh yeah. and, and even just leave it open to the public if the if members of the public want to come in to the landfill and pull out those things and break them down themselves onesie twosie ten a hundred at a time let them do it you know it, yes. it, it doesn't cost us anything uh for volunteers to do that and if they derive value from it great someone can make their hobby into something um beneficial absolutely yeah. possibly uh i remember as a kid super cool idea i i remember as a kid trying matt i don't know if you had this experience rafty i think this is before your time uh, we used to drag a wagon up and down the street in our neighborhood collecting old newspaper and <laughs> tin cans. Because <laughs> uh, if you get enough of that, you could take it to the recycling center and they'd give you 20, 30, 40 bucks. Nope. And 40 bucks in the 1980s was, was a good chunk <laughs> of change, you know? That's a lot of uh, Pac-Man. Especially for a kid. Wait, that's like what and newspapers uh, this no not a thing around here <laughs> i didn't i didn't imagine it still exists but uh but the, the amount of newspaper you would have to collect to make even a little even make back your gas money which was less than a dollar a gallon at the time um and remember everyone you can buy us a gallon of gas at buymeacoffee.com 
Um, uh, even to get enough newspaper, you were talking about multiple carloads. Uh, did you ever make your parents do that, Matt? Drive you to the dump to take no? For we lived out in the boonies. Uh, no, we didn't have the dense the population density. So oh, that's right. Newspaper was part of your building materials in your integrated housing, right? That's was... <laughs> that's what you called insulation. Is that is that correct? <laughs> No, but we did have a burn pit. We 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 had an. Area Are you serious? We, you really yeah, did? Yeah, yeah. No shit. Do you ever roast marshmallows? Uh, not over the burn pit, no. But we, that tastes we, funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get lots of weird petrochemical byproducts in your marshmallows. Uh, That's where the carbon footprint comes from, Rafty. Right there, Matt's, <laughs> Matt's hillbilly burn pit. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. So, Oh, oh, and I'm sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to do that. You all probably couldn't read, so newspapers were just that was just stuffing for you, right? That was stuff you'd you'd use to wrap presents in and that kind of thing. I'm I'm hovering my mouse over the big red disconnect button right now. <laughs> <laughs> but actually much. like wrapping presents in newspapers, uh, that is not a bad thing, of course. Like this is actually upcycling, sort of. Yeah. Um, if we're already talking about recycling. And getting sort of like a second news. And around Christmas, some of the newspapers actually, and I mean, this is not upcycling, but some of the newspapers actually have one of those big sheets um, decorated like um, wrapping paper. And so I actually like for the newspaper I already got used that once for, for a present just because it was I mean, already in there. I mean, they printed it specifically the, the, for the that. Fact that we still use, that we still kill trees and, and, you know, print ink on their corpses and hand that out daily as a communication medium, that's still bizarre to me. And and before we get around to recycling that, let's figure out that, hey, you know what? Electronic dissemination is better. Newspapers are still the only way you can legally litter around a neighborhood and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, like, there is something to it, like having the paper in your that's hand. because we're dinosaurs. That's because we like were it. raised. That, we were raised that way. You you've hit peak dad right now, Rafty. <laughs> you are you're there. You're stuck on the cusp of the future. We just I, I tried get over the edge. I tried reading newspaper on a Kindle. It did not work. No, it did not. No, work. it doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. You can't navigate the same way. The yes. way the way that fold out newspapers were designed actually worked. It was actually a very good way, and and newspaper creators and publishers figured out an excellent way of arranging the information in a way that was meaningful and uh, you could quickly file through. In a totally counterintuitive way from how our brains work and, and the way that in nature any information be presented to you. But yeah, they, they did, they do. And um, uh, when they're gone, there'll be new ways of accessing information and new hierarchies of eyeballs. Um, yeah, but back to the recycling and upcycling. <laughs> so, um, Matt, what did your client end up doing with all that? Just take it to the, to the dump and throw it out. Of I trunk? ended up taking my Yukon over there and we loaded it up as, as best we could. Got it. We, we weren't able to get all of it, but we got, um, uh, quite a bit of it. And then, yeah, I had to take it, took it, took it back to the recycler myself, which was not the result that I was wanting. Uh, but I mean, it was it was fine. Um, that that wasn't in your SOW when you created the contract in exactly. the first place, was it? No, right. I, it's, yeah. I hate to be solid that. waste disposal was not supposed <laughs> to be part of the job description. I hate to be that way with my clients and be like, "Look, I, this is not what I do." But you know, at the same time, I'm like, uh, if they're if they're paying me my rate to to load up my truck. You know, and and then I make money on top of it when I drop it off at the recycler. Oh, oh okay. This I'll also walk use. dogs. Yeah, yeah right. You know? it's, not yeah. The best, it's, <laughs> it's not the best use of my time, but um, the reason that we have to take it uh, and and recycling is so localized and all the different laws and the methods that are used. Um, here we do have a free drop off uh, in Lexington. The uh, Lexington Fayette Urban County Government has an electronics recycling drop off area that a a person can drop off uh, personal items, personal Not, uh, electronics. for non-commercial use. Right, right. Yeah. So, that, so they actually impose very strict limits on how many devices you can drop off. And I think it's like three laptops and a couple of phones or something like that. And it's like, well, that's great. 
but that's artificially limiting the bigger market, which is the, the companies that are going through hundreds or thousands of computers at a time. So now let's um, let's let's quick let's address this from a security perspective. Why don't most entities, whether whether it's a, a a company or a school or a hospital, when they're doing their tech refresh, why don't they just donate it to someone downstream who might not otherwise have a computer? Why don't they give it to some poor disadvantaged school or hospital or company? <laughs> I can tell you the real answer, and then I can tell you, tell you the security Please. answer. On that. No, no, let's do them both. Let's do them both <laughs> because it is worth bursting this bubble. I've been in so many meetings where this has taken place, both in the private sector and in the nonprofit world, and and I always have to face them up to reality. What's the reality, Matt? The reality is nobody wants them <laughs> because if you're already a nonprofit or a school or a church or something like that, you already have access to the same technology for way cheaper through nonprofit entities like TechSoup or something like that. You can get all your software and your hardware. If not donated, you can get it way cheaper than a for-profit company can. And they just don't want the old technology. That's, that's very 80s and 90s thinking is that, oh, yeah, we can donate these to a school. No, they don't want it. And schools, by and large, at least in the U.S., I'm guessing the same in Europe, uh, schools, by and large, have ridiculous IT budgets. There are school districts in this country where 30% of the overall budget goes to IT, which is stupid and insane. And I'm actually considering running for school board somewhere <laughs> just to put an end to that bullshit. Um, there are so many tech companies that'd be glad to donate all that equipment. There's so yeah. many people that want that tax write-off yeah. that would be willing to step into that. Um, but yes, you're absolutely correct. There is no demand for used stuff. Now, there was one circumstance when I worked in a disadvantaged school in Las Vegas. Um, some of the students were truly at-risk students for a number of reasons, and a couple of them did want some of our old machines when we were um, excising them. And the, you run up against the real problem, which is we can give you the hardware, but I got to wipe all the software off that, including yep. the OS. Here you go. Here's a box, poor kid. Good yep. luck. Now you got to go get an OS. Now you got to go. You got to figure out how to install it. You got. There's just. There's no good way to approach that. Yep. It ends up with a paperweight. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And even if you um, uh, do get them, help them get an OS and and get them up and running. Then you're on the hook for providing tech support for them because they can't get it to connect to this or that. They can't install this or that. Um, you know, well, they gave me this computer so I could do my schoolwork, but I can't access the school's website. I need somebody to help me. Well, who's? <laughs> yeah, I've made that mistake before too. Yeah, here's your free computer, and then I get 20 messages. Hey, I need help with this, with that. This doesn't work. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And by the way. The uh, outdated or archaic technology that you're using is not going to be supported by the services you want to connect to. You all were mocking me because my game platform was Windows 7 and Steam is going to disconnect from it in 76 days. Um, you know, <laughs> if, if you try to do that with, with old hardware, even the people who are the beneficiaries of your charity are going to be like, well, this doesn't do what I needed to, this computer, which weighs, you know, 40 pounds, doesn't do what my phone can do, you know? And, and, and yes, that it, you are correct. You, yep. you, you've bumped up against modernity, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I think with Linux, um, it, we might have more Linux users out there. <laughs> you can. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Not Maybe. that this is less tech support because we already said so like that, the, the common saying is that Linux is cheap, uh, is free for those who don't value their time. Um, but still, like, I'm back on Linux at the moment. So if, there's a if there's a dedicated student or a kid out there who needs a computer and is willing to learn Linux, by all means, let's get them a computer. I mean, I, you know, I got, I got zero problem with that. But or instead of a Raspberry Pi, like, you can use old stuff like that. They're not as energy efficient carbon footprint and stuff but as in server just put it somewhere run your email through there you know <laughs> is, is it a wood burning computer i mean what do you, what do you mean <laughs> no but the the electricity it burns more electric like it will take more electricity than than a raspberry pi okay all right all right i see what you're saying I see. But if it's free, maybe you you still want to use it as a server. But typically my recommendation for people who want to get into networking and stuff would be raspberry pis. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so in other words, for for a learning environment for someone who's uh, young, maybe getting into IT or, or changing careers or something like that, wanting a, a test environment to to try out stuff. Yeah, uh, re, yeah, recycled computers, absolutely. But that's such a niche market that's not going to be able to take care of. <laughs> that they'll take care of three or four computers, not thousands. Not only are there not enough kids that want that, but there are so many programs giving the best and latest and greatest to kids to learn on right now. The NSA has entire academic programs. The DOD has entire academic programs. All the major corporations have, you know, um, hardware distribution programs. Um, we, we spoke to the, the learning, um, the, the educational facility per Scholas earlier this year or, or late mm -hmm. last year. Um, uh, great program. And, and even when they were describing their history, that's how they started. They started as recovering old donated machines, uh, refurbishing them, and then handing them off to the community. That's That was their original business model. And then they learned very quickly that whoever they trained to do the technical aspect of that would go and leave and, and go and work for a company and that um, the devices weren't really wanted by anyone. There was nobody ready to pick up these refurbished machines, even though the machines did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's when they pivoted over to, hey, you know what the real value was? Training the technicians. So that's what they do now, and, and I admire them for that. Mm -hmm. um, but, but there's just no good use of old hardware. Um, right. So yeah, it comes back around to okay. Then what do we do? <laughs> you know, what, what what do you guys do? Like, I mean, you you guys are are like me. I'm sure you have old tech old technology sitting around in corners somewhere or in a closet or something like that. What what do you all do? I, I use mine. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have every computer <laughs> you've had since 1992, do you? You're kind of <laughs> okay. Never mind, Ben. Ben's a hoarder. <laughs> Ben's got a museum. <laughs> Um, I usually, uh, have like in the past, I've been probably a little bit too much on the cutting edge of stuff. Usually when I upgrade, people are still interested in my stuff. So I usually hand it out. Okay. Okay. So, so my graphics cards usually find someone who wants them and okay. processors and stuff like that. Okay. So, so you're, you're, uh, uh, delaying the recycling responsibility so it's no longer a part of your world and it's part of somebody <laughs> else's world. <laughs> yeah. You refresh often enough that there's still inherent value in your yes. older devices. Yeah, yeah. Nothing Matt, Windows 7 or stuff. <laughs> yeah. Matt, what do you do? I, uh, much to the chagrin of my wife, pile stuff up in the in the garage until I get a truckload. And then I, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll drive it to, to the recycler and, and um, yeah, even my own personal stuff. And, and I do that with, with businesses that, that I have a good enough relationship with that I can do that with. Um, I'll bring home a truckload every now and then of, uh, of their old tech. And then I'll just uh, pop out all the hard drives. Uh, and then if I have any stuff around the house that needs to go, I'll, I'll just pile it in there with it and just take it all, all in one big shot. Now, that being said, there are some stuff that, that the recycler that I go to, and every recycler is different. The recycler I go to will not accept monitors, computer computer monitors, LCDs, LEDs, or CRTs, the old two huh. TVs. Huh. So those- I understand CRTs, but but yeah. why not LEDs and LCDs? They, they they don't have the capability to to do anything with it. So to them, it's just trash. So they will not accept it. In fact, they'll they'll pull it out of, of what, whatever I bring and, and, and specify. We can't take this, take it back with you. So then I've got that stuff. Okay, what do you do with that? Okay, I don't have anybody that'll take it. Guess where it goes? It goes in the trash bin. And and I hate that, <laughs> but I also don't have another choice. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 and it literally at, at that point is trash. It yeah. is something that costs more to take away than it is value right. uh, in terms of use. Um, yeah. yeah, which is bizarre. And, and I think that's, <laughs> That's at the core of my hoarder personality is I remember how much I wanted a flat screen monitor when I was using my CRT. That is a visceral need in my <laughs> fundamental being. Uh -huh. and, and therefore, I can't bring myself to just chuck one in the trash because it's just so hard to see that and go, damn, 
Yeah. <laughs> and then conversely, I have a nostalgia with the CRT that I don't want to get rid of. Like, you know, I remember spending so, so many hours working with this thing. So yeah, yeah. I, I've still got, I've got an eight track. I've got an Akai reel to reel. I've got typewriters. I just, I have the hardest time divesting of anything. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And I, and, and I think that that's not an uncommon thing in people in our field is that we like to, to hang on to old tech. I know I've got, plenty of old tech, but I have such an excess of old tech. I have to prune it. I, I, I can't keep it all around and I've, I, I, and I want to get rid of it responsibly. And I wish that there was a, a common unified way that I could easily get rid of all this stuff. Even if I drive it myself, I'm not even asking for the trash man to come by and pick it up on Thursday when he gets the rest of my garbage and, and, and take care of it for me. I'll take it somewhere. I just want a, a, a place that is not only for me, but everybody to to be able to go to and that that's just not a reality at, at this point in time because as you said ben the economics aren't there nobody wants it no i mean no you you know even if you can get two 2.4 million dollars worth of gold out of a million phones it'll cost you five million to extract the two right yeah 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 yeah, so. yeah. now the, here's the nice perspective we keep looking at this from a very human perspective from a planetary perspective on a geologic scale none of this stuff matters all of that stuff, all the rare earth metals, all the gold, all the palladium, that's all naturally occurring. And we're just putting it back in the ground. And one millennia <laughs> from now, it will be what it was when we extracted it. It will now be, uh, and it'll be easier to find for those people who go mining for it 2000 years from now, or yeah. whatever follows people here after we're all you know leaving for our interplanetary homes. Um, uh, it, it will all be aggregated in one place. Someone will strike a rich, strike a rich mine, uh, a rich vein of iridium, and they'll go, "Great, it's all right here," and it's mixed <laughs> in with some gold and some yeah. uh, uh, lithium, yeah, silver, you know? and, yeah, yeah, copper. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, even, yeah. I think even the plastic breaks back down to petroleum, and and right, it it. I don't know about that. Be, I think that, with enough heat applied, it would, and enough heat and pressure, it would. Yeah, I mean, that that's a whole other thing because then you get into all the microplastics because before it, it, it turns into whatever its final form is, it turns into all the microplastics that are ending up in all of our fish and uh, wildlife and stuff like but that. But the, the fish and wildlife are just screening that and collecting it too. They're, they're the <laughs> aggregators. They're putting all the plastic back in one place. I mean, if we remember... Plastic comes from petroleum. Petroleum was dead fish and plants to begin with. All we're doing is recycling it back to where it came from. <laughs> it's the circle of life. <laughs> That's all it is, but on a macro scale, right, on a right, geologic right. scale, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and none of that stuff was alien to this planet. We all just, you know, we just extracted it and refined it. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Um, so, um, but anyways, in, in the process of uh, prepping for this episode, I did look up uh, some other recycling programs. Um, it, as it turns out, places like Best Buy, uh, I didn't know this, they, they'll do recycling, again, with restrictions on how much that they will take. There are lots of mail-in programs uh, where you can like mail in your old uh, cell phones and your laptops, again, with restrictions on how much that they will take. And that's the thing that I keep running into is, okay, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of programs. They, they don't appear to be huge. There's definitely not advertised, probably because they're all losing money. Yeah. But, but none of them are taking them at scale. None, none of them, you know, everybody's, you know, if, if you they're all older, designed for the individual user right. or the home, which, which realistically it costs more to the individual to package that stuff and ship it to Best Buy or whoever, then, then is going to be, you know, reasonably beneficial at any end of the process too. Right. 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 So Best Buy has this, I imagine, as either a PR effort or uh, some sort of tax, tax. benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Tax yeah. <laughs> that may so be as well. What's that? That may be as well the tax benefit, which is not a bad thing, I'd say. But no, also, no, no. It, it, it's great. But what it means is all the cost is borne back by the user. Of course. But um, like they already have, and this was what I was saying, like if they already have vehicles moving from one place to the other for them to collect it like getting all of those like um best buys in the region collect all of them to one place for them it's not additional cost or it's less so because they, they only take, take one 
if they were to take it at scale from the large user community, the, the medium companies, the larger companies, but they don't. That as well. Yeah, but also for individuals. Like they, they have that one box, and if the box is full, it goes into the truck that goes back to the depot, and there they collect all the boxes, and then maybe when they have one truck full, then they put it somewhere else, you know? With stuff like that, it, I think it is easier, you know, because they don't have to send out another truck to get it from that Best Buy. They just probably like collect it at the depots, like where they, where all the trucks come from and end and, up anyway. And, and the if they the could, I would imagine they would take large scale donations, but it sounds like they're not. Um, yeah. So I'm Maybe guessing for tax reasons. I'm, I'm thinking there's something else going on there. That, that's my guess. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think that at some point, um, as I think you mentioned, Ben, there there will be an inversion point where um, these these metals, copper, silver, gold, palladium, uh, all these things that are recoverable, they will reach a tipping point where it does become economical, and then I think you will see recyclers popping up. You know, the same way with uh, solar power. There was a point at which solar power became economical, and now it's competing heavily in the the uh, electrical grid power market. Um, it's not it's not there 100 percent yet, and I'm I'm looking forward to the day that uh, electronics recycling hits that point as well. I just don't know that it's going to happen in my lifetime. It happened in mining uh, when when I was a journalist in Nevada. Um, there were uh, a lot of measures being taken to reinvigorate old mines. Uh, mining companies were buying up the old mines and starting them again to go through what is known as the tailings of the mine, uh, the, the debris that was usually seen as waste because the percentage of viable material in the dirt was not existent enough to make it revenue-based. Um, now, the tailings are valuable enough to where they're going in and they're going through the tailings um, simply because yeah. the, the, the price per ounce has gone up. Uh, and, and that will happen until... We start harvesting asteroids. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay, you, you, you want to go down this road? When, when are we are we planning to start doing that? I, I don't know exactly when, <laughs> but all we need is one, and uh, uh, one of those asteroids can carry more gold than exists on the entirety of the planet. The way I understand mm -hmm. it, okay. um, and the same with all the other uh, trace minerals. Um, and now that would, that would utterly kill the mining market and, exactly. uh, you know, many yeah. other markets. You want to talk about but, driving the price down? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, the price would be negligible for all that stuff. Um, so whoever does it first is going to have a command of whatever that market is. Um, and unless they keep a tight control on it, like say, oh, the diamond market does um <laughs> then it, it would have yeah it would effectively make all the cost of that zero now the interesting thing though is why would you do that to your own market if you're making money off of gold or whatever other mineral it is because those materials have some inherent value the reason yeah. we use lithium ion batteries is because that material stores power better than any other kind of content um the reason we use gold in circuitry is it is a a uh, perfect non-resistor, right? It yeah. and uh, um, we call those conductors. Perfect man. conductor. And, and... <laughs> perfect conductor. Thank you. And it does not corrode. There's no oxidation of gold. Uh, you know, uh, all the other things that gold does, it has inherent properties that do give it some value. Um, so having an infinite amount, or at least an infinitely consumable amount, would be desirable. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, you do that trick once. And, and then there's no more market for it anymore. You've shot your shot. Yeah, That's it. exactly, exactly. Um, but it's why it's why we use water cooling on machines. Mm -hmm. Water's cheap. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone can get water, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 not just on computers and CPUs, but yeah, and and air conditioners and cars on in houses and high rises. Yeah, it it, it works. So, if water cost a thousand dollars an ounce we would find another substrate to be using, right? I mean, we'd, yeah. we'd either synthesize it or whatever, and we'd be willing to pay up to $900 for each ounce of that or whatever it is. Yeah. So so anyways, if any of our listeners have any good ideas or solid plans uh, or, or just thoughts on recycling, 
uh, with regard to e-waste, uh, you know, like I said, all the things that we that we throw away, the cheap, uh, you know, gadgets we get from from grocery stores and, and uh, uh, gas stations and stuff that we use once or twice and throw away. I mean, what do we do with all that kind of stuff? What do you all do with all that stuff? Who, who's got the next big idea with regards to this? Because I think we need one. <laughs> we need a big idea uh, quickly. Uh, so. Anyways. The one, the one other concept that could make this work would be the, uh, the replicator. You know, if, if we can get 3D printing to a point where you can add any substrate to it, it extracts what it needs from the substrate and then prints what it is that you want as a target or destination. Then our trash becomes our fuel or our, or our, you know, building blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, we're far from there. We're going to get the asteroid first. So, so you throw in your old iPhone and the 3D printer like breaks it down and prints you the new one. Correct. Correct. With no. licensing from Apple, Apple's still going to get paid. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. what you'll be paying for is the template in your wireless 3D printer, which reaches out to, and maybe you do that every night. Maybe your updates now are hardware. Every night you throw your phone, you throw your phone in the replicator and the next morning you have a new phone. I don't know. Rafti's mind is blown. Did I just blow your mind, Rafti? I just think it's, it's just like, um, a huge waste of energy. (laughs) But what if energy is free? (laughs) What if it's all solar? If if we've got fusion, (laughs) it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. Right. Yeah. Now, gaming uh, that out, I can see the day that the AI gets a hold of the replicator, and the replicator can handle organic compounds, and the and the AI starts feeding human beings into the replicator, turning us into toothpaste, and then making new <laughs> new slaves out of it. Absolutely. Oh, the the whole part of the the matrix, and we got to do a media review of the matrix at some point. Yep. Using humans as batteries yep. is foolish when their actual substance is better as fusion fuel. You know, I mean, so you'd get more energy out of breaking the human down than feeding the human. MC squared. Exactly, exactly. Well, on that happy note, uh, I think we can wrap this one up. Thank you, Matt, for bringing up the topic. I think it's fascinating sure. and, and a, a great thought experiment. Yeah. Um, uh, Rafi, anything else you want to offer? I want to add any updates from safing? Sure, sure. There's one thing there as well. But what I wanted to add, and I think Matt, you already said so, and I think for everybody listening, this is trivial, but just as a reminder, um, if your hard drive is not encrypted, um, wipe it before you and actually wipe even it. Even if it's encrypted, it. even if it's encrypted, take, take a drill press, punch a hole in it, sure. go out to the you desert can't... and shoot it. I mean, just do whatever you need to do. Sure. Sure. You can, um, but be, be before you throw something like that away, be mindful of the data that's on there. Uh, in regards to saving, uh, we are actually doing something for Black Friday this this year. Um, anybody who is an SPN uh, Pro subscriber yearly gets two times two weeks um, of Pro gift cards to give away uh, for Black Friday. So we get, we send wow. them out to everybody who is a subscriber so that they can gift those card like those codes to two other people. So that when they shop for them during the Black Friday, Cyber Monday week, uh, they have um, some internet protection as well and that their online behavior can't be tracked either. That's very cool. Nice job. Good marketing too, right? This this sounds vaguely like a pyramid scheme. Is this the next Amway? (laughs) Wait, nobody's getting anything (laughs) in return. Like you don't don't get any money for the people you recruit. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so... You don't now, have to pay for them. They just uh, get it for free for those two weeks. Because Matt brought it up, I do have to share with something that I saw on X recently. Somebody said, you know, it's really expensive to run a large language model, an LLM. He said, I'm going to make a medium language model, an MLM. <laughs> and, and how it works is if you're an early adopter, you get credits and you'll earn credits from anyone else you recruit to take part in the MLM. <laughs> I thought that was genius. That's a big bad joke right there. <laughs> Pyramid schemes are genius. Yeah, they they have been working for quite some time now. Yep. So, yep. Yep. As Ponzi, as... Ponzi had an idea, man. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, then until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Rafael Fita. 
Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com, and that's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.